0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: My initial reaction is they did everything you want to see from them. right? I mean, Anthony, even you would know the D-line was more disruptive, I thought. I thought they were getting a backfield. I thought there was penetration there. I thought there was a little pressure on Russell Wilson, uh, forcing him into quick throws. It seemed like Sean Payton was really even worried about the pass rush with all those screens he was running. So it was an interesting game to watch. And then Justin Fields looked totally in control. All the stats say it. But at the end, Pat, at the end, like you know, you need players. You need four or six plays to put that game away to win it. And you just can't make the mistakes they made at the end. Um, If we just talk about what happened, what we saw going into the game, should you fire Eberflues? Should Fields get benched? I think you got your answers to those questions. I think they played for Flues. I think Fields showed enough improvement.
2: Yeah, but, you know, I guess watching this game, man, I was like, wait, we're not the worst team in the NFL, (laughs) you know, when it was going the way it was going. And then the next thing you know, the defense kind of rears its ugly head of not being able to get off the field on third down late in the game. And and Russell Wilson does his thing. But to me, it's that you kick the field goal or not on fourth and one. And to me, if you're Matt Eberflus, that's your defense. You kick the field goal, you take the points and you say, okay, come get it. You know, those are my guys out there. We're going to win this game that way. I think that's a big decision. I think he made the wrong decision there, in my opinion. Um, just kind of shocked he did it and the, how he did it of having those guys out there on fourth and one and calling timeout and going back out there. I don't know if he was trying to set up to see what they were going to run on defense. But I think you have to have conviction, conviction in that point. Take the field goal. Our defense is going to win the game today. And then you walk away a winner. But then the Bears did what they did, and unfortunately it turned out the way it was.
3: And guys, there's been, you know, because people tend to pay attention to the player aspect of it, of like how how the players are developing, how young guys are coming along, and especially Justin Fields for obvious reasons. And I've tried to remind folks, you also have a first-time play caller in Luke Getze. And, and him seeming like he's got some developing to do there. And you have what I found to be the best, the best game as a play caller that I've seen from Luke Getze as the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, and, oh, big surprise, it's coupled with the best game of Justin Fields' career as a Bears quarterback. I honestly hadn't really gotten to the point of really questioning the, the the maturity is, I guess, the term I would use of Matt Eberflus, the Bears' head coach. I had no problem with him not going for the initial fourth down. I tagged you in something on Twitter, Patrick, just kind of joking around yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. That final decision, I was just – I'm baffled by passing on the opportunity to take the – late in the fourth quarter at home and you've got one of the most reliable kicker team right now in football in Cairo Santos. But let's go back to you real quick, Patrick, because you were alluding to, to that decision and I'm, I'm shocked. Matty Riffloos to me hadn't been that guy to, to make what I thought was a pretty terrible decision like that.
2: Yeah, I want to see his his reaction, his response to see why he did that. I would love to know why they went out there and then called timeout Um I really want to know what he was thinking. I just, you know, being aggressive or whatever. Hey man, great. How about just winning the game? Make the right call to win the game. Give your chance, give your team a chance to win the game. So, you know, maybe during this post game, we'll hear some sound and we'll find something on, on Twitter or whatever, what he has to say about that breakdown. But I just think he made a, a terrible coaching decision. And Olin, you know, we've, we've talked about in the pregame show and everybody's being evaluated. And that's a big evaluation point for Iberflus with Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles and, and that organization that, you know, people say, okay, he's a defensive coach, but he wanted to be a CEO when Alan Williams was here. But now Alan Williams is gone. He's a defensive coordinator, but he's still the CEO of the team. He's making the game time decisions, and I think he botched that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really honestly couldn't disagree with you guys more. Here's where I will agree. I think – remember when John Harbaugh uh, went to Lamar Jackson? He said, do you want to go for it? What play mm-hmm. do you want to run? You guys remember that game. That's yeah, what yeah, I yeah, thought I he should have done. I thought I should have went to Justin Fields and asked him, because look, you're 0-3. The biggest question is, is this guy our quarterback? I'm going to walk up Mm -hmm. to Justin Fields. i seen Justin Fields walk to the sideline and talk to Getze about, and I'd like to know what he was saying at that point. I'd like to know what play he was asking for, because the problem I had was with sending Herbert right up the middle, without an option of a a quarterback read or Justin Fields on the run or Justin Fields moving around there uh, outside the pocket. I, I didn't mind them. Going for it there, I, I just think at some point I was – the, the thing that confused me is Big Ant talked about the first 4th and 1. What confuses me mm-hmm. is if you go into the game with that attitude, then that's just your attitude, right? If we're going to punt on 4th and 1, uh, then we will kick that field goal. For me, you should have been going from the beginning, and then I'm going to set a tempo as a head coach, like Coach Harbaugh did with Lamar Jackson, and I'm going to walk up to my young quarterback and say, do you want to go for it here? okay, what play do you want to run? And then I'm going a, I'm to tap him on his helmet and say, go get it, young man.
2: Hmm.
3: And I, oh, go ahead,
2: Patrick. No, I just I, – make, that makes sense. I mean, if that's that's a different mentality, right? So I think Eberflus just has a little different mentality of what he, what he's what he's doing. You brought up the first, fourth and one. Yeah, if you're going to do that, then kick the – like just whatever your philosophy is or your mentality is, stick with it. And, you know, I, 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 I agree with that as well, Olin. But you have to give – You know, I think Matt Ryan said it. You have to give him an opportunity to make the play. Justin Fields, he's the best player out there for the Chicago Bears.
3: I think it seems to me that you get, you know, sticking with the the fourth down thought. I think getting into the flow of the game as a coach. I can come in with one idea for we want to be quote-unquote aggressive in certain situations in game, which you also have these first three games of information coming in. So that first one, all right, fourth and count a long two, do we go for it, do we not? Minus territory, near near midfield, but minus territory. I didn't mind him punting that ball, hoping to pin the opponent down on the first defensive drive because your defense has been getting gashed all season too. I think that in the flow of the game, once you see we are rolling, our offense is getting it done. It was the best game we've had all season then that's where I feel like it gets a little more, I guess, a little easier as a play caller decision maker to say, yeah, I got faith. We can make it. You know, we don't necessarily need that punt and pin kind of mentality because our offense is actually getting some things done here. It, it just seemed to me like on that last one that I agree. I, I didn't love, I didn't like the play call either, but it, it was a chance when Denver had become the team. We overused the term momentum, but they were certainly the team who was rising at that point in the game. They had everything going in their favor, still got a chance to put Santos on the field and at least take a lead there to kind of salvage something uh, in that moment in the game. So there's there's so much to be questioned about how, mm-hmm. how certainly the fourth quarter, how some of these decisions end up playing out in game. And part of what I was thinking about in game guys was just even the, the frustration I started to have thinking like three games in and we're finally, well now the fourth game and we're finally getting to the point where it seems like Luke Getze is using the full arsenal of Justin Fields. And I know all three of us have talked about it with his last season, this season, calling him into movement, getting him on the go, changing the launch point over and over again. And I was trying to remind myself that we get to post game, and the Bears have won, not to be Mr. Negative about that. Like, why did it take this long to get to this point? But since they blew the game and they lost, I feel okay about being you know, a little more Mr. Negative about that. the the bears offense and the way the quarterback was utilized though what what stood out to you about that yeah i i I liked it and but
1: but a lot of me was i was i was liking what matt ryan was talking about i i just want him a little bit more in this um zone read looking at the defense the uh the wide receivers spread out spread the field i thought they were squeezing too much formations i thought they were running out of a lot of Hmm. uh, with their fullback in the game with two tight ends in the game I want to see them spread a little bit more for Justin Fields. Almost run a triple-option type offense in the spread, which is the spread offense, right? So even though it was working and the crossers are working, and Cole Kmet coming across the field, and Denver didn't look like they knew who to cover, um, still, when Matt Ryan kept saying that, it, it was it was hitting that corner of me, and I actually wrote in my notes, uh, "Will they pay for this, right?" And and obviously they end up they end up paying for it, and and you want Justin just to take the sack there. Couple of mental mistakes by Justin at the end, right? Take the sack, uh, um, yeah. the, well, the intentional grounding. That's just uh, that, that'll lose you the game. I thought him and Cole Komet were, were the, the uh, communication pad. I thought on a third down, Cole Komet's got to fight across that DB's face there and make that yep. catch there late in the game. And then he sits it down he's got to again fight across the DB's face. Look, you're not Travis Kelsey and Mahomes. You can't freelance out there. If you're supposed to be across the safety's face. Or, or the linebacker, you've got to get across his face, right? So um as much as the game plan was good today, rolling them out, booting them, it still was, guys, like at some point, Pat, I was like, why are they under center, just handing off straight dives? Right? Why not give hmm. Justin Fields a read there? Why not get him outside the pocket? Get him on the edge. That some of that stuff, um, you're playing against the worst defense in the league, but you have to work on things like you got the commanders coming up. Like, is those straight dives going to work against the commander's front four? I don't think so. No.
2: No, but, you know, I I thought Getzi did call a better game plan, but we always talk about going back and what the uh, All-22 is, how bad is this Denver Broncos really? You know what I mean? How many times the guys were running into each other, blowing up, coverages, getting, you know, I got to give the credit to the O-line, blocking so well for Khalil Herbert, but how much is this, the Denver Broncos collapsing, or was it Justin Fields taking that step and Luke Getze kind of figured some things out. So I, I think that's the big question here. I think early we thought it was just Denver was that bad, but then they kind of figured some things out and were able to hold them a little bit. But I am, I do want to see that tape to really get a true evaluation. Was this the offensive step game? You know, did they get better? Mm-hmm. 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 Definitely. clips. I, I thought they definitely
1: got bigger, better, big ant. I thought they definitely yeah. got better today. I thought they played better football.
3: Yeah, it's a great clips post game show presented by Tullamore Dew. And just to, to stick with that topic, because the reaction, I would imagine it, because of the way the game tilted late in the way that it did. You know, I even I retweeted. You know, some of the writers like, all right, we might have a laugher going at Soldier Field. The Bears are rolling. All right, here's Justin Fields' stats. They're up by 21 points. Man, this is great. This is fun. Everybody's got a smile on their face. And then it shifted so much. And so there's so much that's worthy of question here with the result of the game. What do you think when we hear from Matt Eberflu? So Specifically, the in game decision will be something he'll 100% be asked about. But just the tone, now 0 and 4, but a performance that shows growth. And so 0 and 4 are nowhere near the results anyone hopes for, but where his message is about fundamentals, getting better every day, improving. What do you anticipate for the message that Matt Eberflus ends up bringing to the podium afterwards, just for where the 0-4 team ends up sitting right now?
1: Well, I I, I think he's going to talk about the way they improved. Sorry, Pat. I I think he's going to talk about the way they improved, and they were in that game, and offense did well. But I think he will talk about, also, on that fourth and one decision having his, his secondary depleted, right. And then putting them back on the field uh, versus Russell Wilson and all those wide receivers, right. got Terrell Smith out there covering, which I'll be honest with you guys, they did a lot better job than I thought they would. Uh, they competed against yes. those guys all day long. Like we talked about that D line got a little bit of pressure. I did like when they were, had some timely blitzes there by Brisker. Uh, Brisker came, came out there and, and he made, they were getting Russell Wilson off his spot at least, but I don't know how that does not play into your decision that you got three or four backup cornerbacks on the field, and it's fourth and one, and can we get this?
2: I, I think that's what's fun about coaching, Olin. Like, I have a different philosophy. I would have taken the, taken the lead and said, you know, all right, let's see what we can do. You've done okay-ish throughout the game until the end. Um, and I, I think that's what's fun about, you know, what we get to do here is talk about you know, breaking down the decisions and whatnot, and coaches have different ideas of what they would do to win or or, or lose a game and how they're going to do it. But, um, yeah, I, I see your point there about the defensive backs. But again, I just I would, and me personally, if I'm on the opposite of you and we're playing against each other, I'm kicking oh, yeah. the field goal and just kind of I guess I'm, I'm I'm crossing my fingers and hoping the defense can can win. But that's what's fun about it. You get to make these decisions, and what the fun part is, we're not paid to make those decisions. We're paid to talk about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, but like us three right here, the interesting thing for whoever's watching this is, this is what's going on on the sideline, right? This is the think tank. Yes. Right? You're getting right. all those opinions, right? And it, and it ends with Eberflus, but you're getting all these opinions from everybody. And this is how your coaching staff should be. Because if you agree with the mm-hmm. guy, I don't need you here. If you agree with me every time, I don't need you on the field. But it goes to the point of you guys talked about how Eberflus um, want to be a CEO you know, Alan Williams, is his most trusted confidant, right? He was his most trusted guy there on the sideline, and now he's not there anymore. So it, it just goes to this whole thing of, like, we're saying, hey, man, I'm on the headset saying, hey, Pat, man, uh, listen here. I'd go for this. Go ask Justin what he wants to run. And, and we're going through all these scenarios and sure. what is best for our football team, man. And you're right. Like, like, you shouldn't all agree out there, but it's an interesting
3: look for whoever's watching this of what was actually going on on that sideline.
2: Yeah, great was, point.
3: Yeah, before they got to that that actual fourth down call, when when they went out there and initially went with the dummy cadence and they showed a sideline shot where Flus was talking to Luke Getze, and that was the first indication I kind of had where I'm like, oh, this might not, he might actually go for this. It, it really didn't cross my mind that he was legitimately going to go for it until seeing him and Luke Getze standing next to each other on the sideline Having like a legit combo, you could tell that and they both got headsets on. They're standing right next to each other, but their mouths are covered. Ibrufus is leaning over towards Getsy a little bit. Luke is responding, and they kind of kept the shot on them together for a few moments. It's like, oh, he's talking to his OC right now. Mm-hmm. Like he's giving this real thought, man. And I mean, you know, like you know, Twitter is is what Twitter's going to be or X or, or whatever now. But you know, to to have the folks who early on like, oh well. You got to go for that fourth down, you know, like Olin's doing right now. You keep that same energy regardless, whether you make it or miss mm-hmm. it. Because I feel like our reaction ends up being results-based. If the decision doesn't work, it was a bad call. If the decision does work, then it was a good call. And the coaches don't have that advantage. They, they can't predict for sure how something's going to play out. They, they have to make these educated guesses. And that that back and forth, that dialogue with Luke Getze there, it, it did look like, yeah, man, they're, they're really thinking about this and he went for it, and I did feel like, Olin, that the O-line, especially in the fourth quarter, Khalil Herbert was running through contact. The O-line was beginning to really gain some momentum, not just via some of the misdirection stuff and outflanking the defense, but they were starting to move guys in the second half of the game Mm -hmm. in a way that I feel like even with some of the success early, that the O-line wasn't necessarily moving Denver off the ball like they started to in the fourth, what what were your impressions about that run game and how it progressed? Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, man. I, I think
1: that uh, they were moving guys off the ball. You can see why in this game, uh, even though um, you know the Denver's D line is not great, you can see why they gave Nate Davis that money. He's a very very good run blocker. You pair him with Darnell Wright and Mercedes Lewis, and that's a very formidable side of the line if you want to run the ball downhill. And I and I I tweeted out late in the game, that Herbert is like one-arm tackle and keeping his feet from going to the house, man. He is, and they talked about how the Bears were saying that, and Pat, we talked about on the uh, pregame show how you could see that on film, how you could see that Herbert is like one tackle away from going to the house, and they are talking about challenging him. But yes, our offensive line actually gelled a little bit uh, today, and, and, and you can see, I'm sure Ryan Poles is thinking, man, we're catching all this flat. But you can see their plan if Kevin Jenkins comes back healthy and he can stay healthy and he can get Braxton Jones back and put Cody Whitehair back at center. Although, I got to be honest, Lucas Patrick has played pretty good there uh, in the middle today. He played pretty good. Even last week, I thought he was going to be a little bit of a prick out there, which I like. Which I like. You set a (laughs) tempo. You push guys after the play, right? I remember Chris Jones punched him in the face because he was pushing Chris Mm -hmm. uh, after the play. Now, Uh, sometimes you let sleeping bears lie, but you got to do what you got to do, right? You got to go after (laughs) guys and and try to get guys and try to set a tempo, set a tone. So so to your point, yes, they were running the ball. Um, Darnell Wright, too bad, playing a good game, too bad. They're holding call, keep your hands inside. And then just a bad angle on that last play. Just, you know, that linebacker was a little more over with the angle he took and shot that hole. But you don't know until you see that in NFL. We've all been through that. You don't know until you see an NFL linebacker shoot the A-gap on fourth and one. You just don't know. So these Bears are growing, and, and, and hopefully they can grow from this game. But being 0-4, man, Pat, it just sucks.
2: Oh, it sucks. It's 14, 14 straight now. Olin, I think I've seen a few of those no-look pushes. Isn't that how you would do it, like when you're walking off a pile? You're not, you're not looking at the D-line, but you're getting up off of them. Oh, yeah, him you're
1: trying to bug them a little bit, right? And then I remember yeah. uh, doing something like that to John Randall, and the guards are like, Olin, knock it off. Like, you don't got to <laughs> block them on third down. And I was like, that is true, right? Like, when you get in Warren Sapp's face, uh, your guard to like, knock it off. They, they don't piss off Warren Sapp. He's coming after me next.
2: And, and another thing I like here, Big Ant, Mo, is, is that they ran the ball 31 times. We talked about it in the pregame that, you know, that's something they can do against this team. And they rushed for, what, 171 yards. I think one of those rushes you didn't like, Olin, was Cole Comet with the quarterback sneak again, who almost dropped the ball oh, when he's man. taking the snap from Lucas Patrick, which is. I think he has got
1: some stubbornness in him, doesn't he? He's got some stubbornness yeah. in him. Yeah. Guess he does, yes.
2: But I, I think they, they learned something there that, you, like you talked about the gelling of this offensive line, this could be a strength for them going forward. You know, they can ball control a little bit more, and Khalil Herbert's running hard, man. He's running really hard.
3: No doubt is just a couple of stats from the game itself as you're starting to talk about a little bit there, Patrick. Justin Fields, 28 out of 35, 335 mm-hmm. yards, four touchdowns, one crucial, decisive game-ending interception, and I want to come back to that interception in a moment as you guys were kind of addressing it a little while ago. Khalil Herbert with a hundred-yard rushing game, 18 carries, 103 yards, and just seemed like you know an eyelash away from some even bigger chunk runs. Talk about. Second 100-yard receiving game of the season for D.J. Moore. Eight receptions, 131 yards, nine targets overall. And Moore had that initial touchdown, which to me, you know, hand up, I I re- I thought they got the call right. I thought, you know, D.J. Moore in that first touchdown grab, he had the left foot down and the right foot kicked over that front pylon. I thought that was enough. So maybe I'm in the minority at this point. I, I don't know. People still seem to think that uh, – and Gene Steratore came on even during the game, the rules analyst said he thought the officials blew the call. I thought kicking over the pylon, you got one foot in, you kick it over with the other one. I thought it was pretty much cut and dry at that point, but—but but apparently not. One thing that stood out to me with Justin Fields, Patrick, was I—I I felt like his eyes. You know, for a guy who it's one thing to be able to read the field and to to see what you're looking at, but I did think that that Justin Fields actually just as a as a reader of the field and having that command mm-hmm. is eye discipline and eye manipulation of the defense, especially on some of those touchdown passes. I thought was the, the best that I've seen his eyes look at any point so far in his career where you could tell he was trying to move coverage on that first touchdown pass to Moore, on the first touchdown pass to Kometh. You see the best quarterbacks in the business do that, where they'll move the safety with their eyes, setting up sure. some matchups for the playmakers. makers. And I thought Fields did that well today.
2: And also thought they simplified it for him too, with getting him out of the pocket. You know, maybe just one to two was his read instead of kind of see the whole field. The more half fields reads, um, but it, it's his best game as a bear, obviously. And I just thought he's learning on the on the on the uh, as he's going along as well. The touchdown throw he had to commit, where he kind of ran down the line like Patrick Mahomes does, and waited and waited and waited, and you know used his legs to get all everybody bought up to, to, to come to him and then and then dump that off. That that to me is. That's a step in quarterbacking, if that makes sense, you know what I mean, understanding that position. Um, but, yeah, he looked a lot better, and I think they helped him, too, with his reads, where he just didn't have to stand in the pocket and read one to two to three to check down and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you knew he was seeing the fatal big end. You remember
1: when they had the early snap? I think it was in the third quarter. It was third and nine. The early snap, the, the DN was just coming free because Borum didn't expect the mm. snap. And he still dealt it to D.J. Moore. And it was a strike, man, with with a guy right in his face. So, uh, like you're saying, uh, Big Ant, probably his best game as, as a quarterback uh, through is just the, the critical mental mistakes that kind of get you there at the end, right, which makes you wonder about, man, we got to make those plays at the end of the game because even in a game where he's seen the field, even a game where, like you're saying, he's moving the safety, he's de- he's safeties, he's dealing the ball, he's feeling the pressure. There was the play down there by the end zone where he boots out and makes a, a defensive end look mm-hmm. silly there and finds Herbert there on like a little boot play. I mean, uh, th- this guy is dynamic like we all know. It's just um, you'd like to see him on that, you know, that uh, six, that boot, get up six with the fumble, the touchdown. You know, you, you just like to see him take that sack, right? You'd like to see him not take that intentional grounding, uh, make the play at the end of the game. It's just, um, it's just those errors that kind of get you after a game
3: that like you're talking about, boy, did he play the quarterback position well. He did. And getting to that point where where Luke Gets and Justin Fields, where it seems like there's progress between quarterback and play caller, but still coming out with the loss. I, I think that's that can be a difficult position for a locker room to be in at 0-4, where Denver, I, I doubt Sean Payton goes into the locker room telling the guys how great they played, but you got a Super Bowl champion quarterback. You got a coach who's won at a high level as well, and so they, they can come out of here with their first win, feeling like there's something to build off of. But on the whole, the Bears outplayed Denver and still found a way to lose this game. We talked about Eberflus and the, the sort of public message that may be there. What? How do you think that sits in the locker room? With as tumultuous as it feels like things have been at Hallis Hall in recent weeks and players, you know, Chase Claypool doesn't dress for the game. He's talking about how he, you know, he doesn't have any faith in the way he's being utilized. That message for Iberflus to his locker room after another loss. How do you see him balancing that? Oh, where he, you know, we played better. We did good things, but you don't have now that tangible evidence to say it led to a win and that could begin to get more difficult.
1: It's going to get really difficult because you need to win. Like winning winning fixes a lot of things. I was thinking about uh, while they were winning the game there uh, late in the game, I was like, it's going to be, you know, I I, I was counting my chickens before they hatched, to be honest with you guys. I was thinking, oh, man, it's so good for them. Uh, they will get to win a game. It's going to be nice there on Monday morning. The offense played well. The defense played better than you thought they would. They, they, they finally got a win here. Uh, now everybody's a little more coachable. You could even see them on the sideline for the first time ever uh, looking at each other, looking at the coach's eyes when they were <laughs> scoring those touchdowns and nodding their head. And, and it just it, like you said, uh, Big Ant, it's a great word. It's just when you win, it's tangible, right? You can feel the win. Okay, what this coach is saying actually does work, right, Pat? So uh, that is something yep. that he's going to have to fight against and find a way to get his message across, and it's always harder after a loss.
2: hundred uh, percent. And, Olin, you know, winning, it's easier to learn after a win, right? Even if you have a bad win, you know what I mean? Even if you have a bad game, it's just, it just feels easier to take criticism. Uh, it feels easier to go to that building and, and want to get better, and it's just unfortunate that they didn't come out on top, and it is going to be hard for him right now to continue selling that message. When you've got 14 losses in a row, there's a lot of guys that have been there hearing that same message over and over those Monday morning meetings are probably going to sound similar. Those Wednesday, Wednesday morning team meetings when you're game planning, all sounding similar, but they're all the same result as well, which is bad. So that's really hard to sell for those guys in the locker room.
3: The Soldier Field was rocking. I mean, even just on TV and even the announcers, you know, we're talking about it a little bit between, um, you know, Matt Ryan referenced it a couple of times. Tiki Barber was talking about it. Uh, just all three announcers were saying just how loud this building is. We'll take a time out in a moment we come back around to this, the, the temperature in the city for Bears fans. I, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by that aspect of it because I I wonder a little bit how much that impacts some of what we see in game, like being booed. We heard Jaquan Brisker talk about it on this station earlier in the season. And I don't know. I, I wonder if Matt Eberflus if, if he's impacted by that at all, or if to your point, Olin, if it is just, yeah, my DBs are young and their offense is starting to cook us a little bit. So we just got to be aggressive here with this final fourth down. But the, the temperature of the city just wanting greatness in this game where you finally start to get some signs of that but still don't end up playing out to the Bears' advantage. And how quickly they need to be able to turn this thing around to prepare for Thursday night against Washington. But let's do real quick the, the hit of the game. It's sponsored by s Professional Tools, made the USA for 100 years. Swing.com, and there was just a there was a goofy moment I don't know, it was a weird moment with Jack Sanborn out toward the sideline you guys know I call college football every Saturday and college has adjusted the rule where if you get a targeting foul in the game because they they disqualify college players they're kicking guys out of the game you miss either the second half and the first half of the following game or a full game and they at least go back and review targeting calls in college And then if they can't confirm that it was for sure targeting, then you get to stay in the game and then pick up the flag. They called one on Jack Sanborn today on a, you know, yeah, heavy hit out near the sideline, but the ball carrier ducks his head. So Sanborn ducks his head. They collide. Both guys get up and walk away. But somehow it's an unnecessary roughness on Jack Sanborn. It's one of those things where it's kind of a lost moment in the game because there were so many other moments that ended up playing out. But, man, I I hope that's not something that's going to consistently become a penalty in the National Football League.
2: Yeah, I, I just don't know
1: how man, you. You know better. Than... Go ahead, Pat. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh,
2: uh, I just. Yeah, I
1: just. I don't know
2: how you, as a player, you know, I, I just doesn't make sense to me. The running back's dropping down the last second. You're going just to make the tackle. How can you make that a call? To me, it's not. A, that's not a targeting call. Target if he's launching with his head. But if a if a running back receiver goes down with the the uh, the defender who's 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 making the tackle. I just don't see how you can make that a call. I think that's a judgment call on the referees part that they need to understand that that that's not a penalty. That's just contact in football.
1: Yeah. And and as big Ann knows, uh, because you do so many college games, when they emphasize something, these refs are going to call it. And it looks like they're emphasizing this all of a sudden. And when they emphasize things, as soon as they see helmet to helmet contact, and as you said, Big Ant, I mean, what do you want Sanborn to do there, right? The, the running back's dropping – the ball carrier is dropping him to the sideline. He's running. He may be going for the thigh board to get his shoulder pass through the mm-hmm. thigh board, but as soon as he drops his head, it's going to be helmet to helmet. So uh, if they're going to emphasize it, they're going to have to clean it up a little bit, as you said they did in college.
3: And we'll see if they continue to kind of adjust to how, how these rules end up getting enforced in-game around the NFL because, you know – Flags are going to happen. Penalties are going to take place, but you don't want to see moments like that. Uh, safety is paramount. You don't want guys getting neck injuries and everything else, but, man, it's a tough one for a defender. We saw both teams in a, in a really loud soldier field. Oh, We saw both teams with their offensive tackles, and it was frequent with Braxton Jones out at left tackle. Now it's becoming frequent with Larry Borum out at left tackle. And a lot of times where the offense, will go with silent cadences or clap cadences. And it's happening a lot. It's not just the Bears. It's kind of all around football. You're seeing offensive tackles trying to see if you can kind of get a jump on that snap count. It's been getting flagged a lot here, it seems to me, in recent weeks. Can you just kind of talk us through a little bit of what that's like as the tackle? You're the furthest offensive lineman away from the snap of the football. You usually have eyes out on that edge defender. So you're almost trying to anticipate the snap count, but something about it just this seems awful. We're seeing a lot of penalties on that this season. Yeah, thank goodness I never had to deal with that, right? Because that is a hard
1: job out there. And that's why the great ones get paid so much money, man. The guys who time it perfectly, Lane Johnson, Trent Williams, guys like this. I know those are two easy names to pick, but they are great. Those are two very good football players. And for the whoever's listening to this, uh, they are. All they're looking for is the motion of the center's head to go up and down. And then we work on it in practice by ourselves and We we'll try to get that timing down perfect because the the, the the tackles are at quite a disadvantage. They're on the road with silent count, uh, looking in like you said. They got to kind of look straight ahead so they can see the DN and see the center. And then you got to block. Sometimes I mean, guys, the defensive ends nowadays are maybe the best athletes on the whole field, right? So these guys are monsters. The Bosa's, the Garrett's. You know, you look at their numbers. Miles Garrett's up on his IG, jumping on 63-inch boxes. A deadlifting lifting 600 about, pounds and it, yeah and then you have left a
3: one-on-one you couldn't even run him down when jonathan cooper got that no. that
2: scoop yeah, yeah something. I mean, is, it's something to watch it is another Go thing ahead, is Pat. you got to give the bears fans oh yeah you got to give the bears fans credit i think they had five false starts the broncos i have it written here i think it was at the end of the third quarter and then you talked about all in the pressure the d-line was getting up front how much was that for the the help of uh the crowd being there and them, them getting uh, laid off the ball. So, you know, it's it's a fun place to play when that place is rocking like that. When you get up to you score 28 points like that, Justin Fields do, was doing what it's doing. I think that helped the D-line quite a bit. And that's just, it's, uh, I, I don't know how how the O-line does it with, the, you know, obviously I played at Duke and when I was playing O-line, we never really played in really loud places, but that's just got to be a hard thing to to figure out. And, and I think the Bears fans really helped uh, the Bears pass rush today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The way that the
3: D line was finally able to to be impactful in the game today, you know, there's just there's not anybody up there. that's just sort of this hellraiser where teams are going to have to game plan around them, whether it's unique in Gockway or DeMarcus Walker, Rasheen Green. I do feel like we've seen several games now where Andrew Billings has showed up a lot, not just in hitting blocks, but in in getting some additional penetration. And you know, maybe this for the D line is something to at least kind of build on and. Russell Wilson going to hold the ball longer than a lot of the other quarterbacks, certainly than anyone the Bears have faced so far, and even moving forward. And you hope that maybe that's something to build off of, where even though it's not a game where you got a bunch of sacks in the game, but it felt like the D-line was more impactful for the Bears today than they had been any other time. And, you know, in, in trying to build off of that, And when they go back and look at the film, you at least see some guys. But my thing was they just kept running into the middle of offensive linemen over and over again. Demarcus Walker looks like a guy with a pretty good power rush. I don't know anyone else as far as the Bears' edge defenders who who could consider themselves a real power rusher, but it did seem like they were kind of getting to the edge of guys more so, and, and maybe that's something where they look at this film and, and, Pat, maybe they say, all right, maybe this is this is who we can become where if we're not going to blitz mm-hmm. with a young second here, we can at least, you know, impact the protection more than we had seen through the first three games.
2: No, I'm with you. they only had one sack, but it seemed like there was a lot more pressure, a lot more than we've seen in any other game. Uh, that's, that's a step going forward for this defense. You were talking about what can Everflu sell to the team? Maybe that's one of the improvements, and maybe that helps them a little bit. They got to be better. They got to get the quarterbacks down on the ground. But yeah, there was much more pressure. There was much more disruption. And you know, like you said too, Russell Wilson does like to hold the ball and will hold the ball and uses his capability to, to make some big plays. And he did that today to, to hurt him. But the D-line did play better, but it's still not good enough. We expect more.
1: Yeah, I, I thought they were they were showing up over there on Quinn Miners, right, the, the young guard for the Denver Broncos. I thought Justin Jones, like you're saying, I thought he was flashing in the backfield. Billings, Billings, um, I've heard rumors. That is a strong human being on film now. He grabs guys. He throws guys on mm-hmm. the ground, I don't know, two, three times a game. He gets his hands on you and gets leverage on you. It's a bad deal for the center, and that started – from week one against Green Bay. I think he's been playing pretty good football there in the middle of the Bears' defense. But like you're saying, uh, Walker on the edge, he does a nice job when tight ends are one-on-one with him. He does a nice job setting that edge. He was showing up today with some penetration. Uh, big Ant, actually, I-, I got this question for you. I've said this a lot of times uh, on the game and post-game show. It's like in this Tampa 2 penetrating defense, to me, it just seems like the best of uh, three nose guards out there, four nose guards besides Yannick Ngakwe, right, because I played against his defense a lot, and I think, like, those guys they got playing and in three technique are actually nose guards.
3: It's looking like that, man, because they're spending so much time down the middle of blockers, and that's really not what this scheme is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about working the outside half, the outside third, outside quarter, of guys and, and trying to make them feel that even if you don't win clean, but to force that outside edge of the offensive blocker, then you can get that pass protection on different levels. And then it can set up some of your twist stunts and pass rush games even more effectively. If you just continue to crease that pocket over and over again, and I just think this is a D line that came into today's game, just spending so much time down the middle of blockers. And yeah, you've had some mobile quarterbacks you faced and guys who can extend plays But you can't just spend the whole game power rushing and must rushing over and over again. And I'm not sure how much of it was game plan and how much of it has just been guys, for whatever reason, not really trying to penetrate the edge of some of these offensive blockers. But it it looked like there was a little step forward in that today. And, you know, trying trying to find those signs four games into the season that it is a team that's developing and improving. And on a defense that's been so porous this season, Couple of times, I think there were multiple three and outs that they forced in the game today with that young secondary. Terrell Smith had some nice moments. And we remember back in training camp when everybody was healthy and this defensive backfield was looked at as the strength of the team when every starter not named Jaquan Brisket wasn't injured. It was Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith were the two guys who they had drafted who were battling to start on the opposite side from Jalen Johnson. And I thought Terrell Smith, who's gotten more acts in the last couple of games, had some nice moments out there against a really talented Denver passing attack with some big body receivers who, who make some of those windows a bit bigger for Russell Wilson because of the size that they kind of present him in the window. But the, the thing that was more obvious, more apparent, was the the growth of the Bears' passing attack, some of that maturation there with Luke Getzey and Justin Fields. How much of this, Pat, do you, do you feel is now repeatable for the Bears? You know, remember there was a stretch last season where they were averaging 30-ish points a game, largely off of Justin Fields' legs. Did you see mm-hmm. something that you felt repeatable today for Luke Getzey, for Justin Fields and this Bears passing attack to become something that can start to put up yards and points on a more consistent basis?
2: Yeah, I just think one is just the scheme, moving Justin Fields a little bit more like he, like we've seen in the past when he's success, successful. I mean, for any quarterback in the NFL to go for 15 for 15, I don't care who you're playing against, uh, if you're playing against – the play calls, played against a good defense, a bad defense, that's impressive. Uh, is that repeatable, 15 for 15 again? I don't know. I hope so. But uh, I just thought overall just the way they used him with his legs getting out of the pocket a little bit more, and it looked to me that they kind of simplified his reads, and he looked like he thrived in it. And he had you know, his first 300-yard 300 300 passing game. Congratulations to him. Uh, that's mm-hmm. one thing I would like to see uh, <laughs> to be repeatable if he can do that. But I just thought the play calls and the way they used him a little bit just felt better, and then they can continue to do that. This week against the uh, the Commanders is going to be interesting with that front four they have. They're definitely going to have to get them on the move.
3: Olin, can I can I ask you a specific question about about the, the Bears' offense and Luke getsy Because you know, a couple of weeks ago, obviously Justin Fields, you know, basically said to the media like, "Yeah, maybe part of his coaching." Then get Chase Claypool the other day, and he's inactive today. But Claypool, when asked about whether or not he felt like he was being used correctly, says no, you know, DJ Moore kind of joking around one of the opponents. Hey, they're not using you right, bro. Yeah, tell me about it. There has been either both publicly or even, you know, just kind of thinking maybe this is off the record convo where it's been alluded to a few times. How do, you know, as you, you, you were a guy who spent the majority of your career with the Bears as like either one of or the main offensive leaders for this squad and several different play callers during your time here, some offenses better than others, from a player's mm-hmm. perspective, felt that there are conversations to be had with a play caller. What's the proper way to go about that for, for guys who nothing seems to be working? So what is the, the proper protocol for anyone to go up to, to Luke Getzey up to this point and say, hey, man, let's, let's try this. Let's do this instead. Here's how we can maybe grow off of what we've been doing here early that's not working.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And the proper protocol really is the play caller, right? The play caller needs to go to the players. It's like if you're training somebody, like every set, it's like, uh, uh, how did that feel? How does your body feel the next day you call someone you're training? How did that workout work, right? Same thing with, in anything. The play caller has to be the guy who approaches the players and say, what are you comfortable doing? Well, let me ask you to do that, right? What route do you like the best in our scheme? What plays did you like that we ran last week? And you have to constantly be asking questions and evaluating the way you feel about your offense, but the players and the way they feel, and then you got to find a balance in that. So if the play callers, – I'm not saying is not willing to do that. I'm sure he is. But, but when you hear people complain about that, it strikes me immediately that maybe the coach is not listening to them when they do respond. Hmm. When they do say something, when they do talk to their wide receiver coach, say, hey, Coach Tober, man, I really like this route. This is where I want to line up on that play. Here's what I want to run. I really feel comfortable doing this. It seems to me like there's a little bit of disconnect with the wide receivers right now with what they like, what they think works on offense, and what they're actually running. When I hear those things, all I think to myself is, okay, maybe we got a guy here who's not listening to his players And and I'm just guessing. I I don't have any inside information on that. I don't know anything about that. But when you ask me that question, I think the proper protocol, Pat, is someone asking you, Pat, Pat, what do you want to do here on field goal protection? What, like like, like Big Ant, if I think I I want to talk about, uh, you know, for the high school team coach, I want to talk about a special teams trick play. Guess who I text? I text Pat Manley. Makes
2: (laughs) sense to me, right?
1: I'm going to ask him. So I don't know what's going on there. But when you hear those things, you do have to be a little bit worried about about maybe this receiver room is getting a little bit frustrated right now with the way they're being used.
2: Hey, Olin, how much in the O-line room were you talking to, like, Harry Heastan, Bob, or whoever, about schemes, plays you liked? Or how much would they come to you and say, hey, what do you think of this?
1: You know, as I got older, obviously, as you earned the respect, right? Because, you know, as a coach also, you have to be – look – if you ask a player something on the field and he gives you an answer, you turn the film on, it's completely wrong. And you can't trust <laughs> right, that guy either, right? Because, right? yeah. well, no, I made that block. Well, the film says you did not here, right? So mm-hmm. some guys have seen ghosts out there, and some guys actually see what happens in that 20-second window, and they can communicate with you what's actually going on on the field and what they want and what they want to see. But, um, yeah, as you know, Pat, you were there. We talked a lot about run game and pass pro yeah. matchups. Yep. And, and things of that nature. And as I got older, you know, Harry, at that, my time when he came in, he was a young NFL coach, right, coming out of college. So uh, we had a great relationship in that respect, but that's just Harry Heastan. Harry Heastan's always taking his players' temperature. He's always asking you what plays you think you want to run, what blocks you think you're good at, things like that. So I, I don't know, Big in, in a short, the proper protocol to me is the
2: coach started it. Yeah, this made me think about that too, real quick. Is Dave Tobe, who's one of the best to do it, right? Special teams coach. I'm just thinking about if we saw a tough punt rush, he'd be like, "How do you guys want to block this? You know, I mean, uh, what kind of what return do you want to run this week for Devin? With whatever they're running down on kickoffs, who do you want to double? How do you want to run double arc, four cat? You know, whatever all the different calls are. But you're right. That's the sign of a great coach is going to your players that you trust and really putting together a game plan that they feel confident and comfortable in. And let them go out and play
3: and the the reason i i pose that question and pose it that way is is because of the i call it frustration just with watching what the bears offense had been and and what what they had been trying to execute coming into today and you know you, you can't live and die with 15 carries a game for a quarterback and that that's certainly not for me personally not anything i've been asking for but a few design runs and just consistent movement of the launch point. And Pat, you you keep making the point about how the, you know, they, they condense the reads for Justin Fields. That's huge because it gives a young quarterback mm-hmm. a mental break and a physical break during the game. Like, yeah, it, it may require more of him, like cardiovascular wise as an athlete, but he's not just sitting in the pocket trying to read the full field, snap in and snap out like he's Drew Brees or somebody. That just, just let this athlete get on the move a little bit. Let him start to sort of feel the game in a way. And I thought there was a lot of that in the game plan today. And I would imagine it even enhanced the overall comfort that Justin Fields had with some of these drop back scenarios. So I certainly do hope that it was, you know, eventually something that'll be repeatable during the game. We got a guy, Kevin Lapka, who's uh, letting us know there's some quotes that are out there right now. And Matt Eberflus says it was Chase Playpool's choice to not be at the game today i uh, didn't see any shots of chase play pool on the sidelines so it's definitely noteworthy and one thing i mentioned when i was doing you know, uh okay.
1: you know what that reminds me of Big Ant. that reminds me of who cares right that's what that reminds me of who cares <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I hate to say it man I, I i wish you know i don't know chase at all but i mean gosh man for a guy, i never get to see a guy do so little and get so much
3: coverage but that's yeah. the thing. I was actually just going to reference that because he's not someone who's yeah. built up credibility in this locker room, in this Chicago sports market. And there's just been so much heat with Chase Claypool kind of every step of the way here in his time with the Bears. And hard to know how much longer he'll be a member of the ball club at this point, Patrick. But, uh, you know, I don't know. We, we got to do uh, uh, who's sold here at some point. I don't know if Chase Claypool is an option for that or not.
2: <laughs> nice. I mean, I just tell you this, man. If I'm a, if my teammate doesn't show up to the game, I'm done with him. I just, I think he's done as a bear. Like I just, don't, he has no credibility in the locker room. Uh, I would have no respect for him. Uh, you know, you got to be there, even if you're upset about being benched or deactivated and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You still have to be a teammate, man. That's, I've lost complete respect for him as a teammate. If if I had somebody do that to to us all.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Right. I, I just think that you're 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 taking out on your teammates what you're yeah. mad about with with the pe the higher ups you know what i'm saying like like the yeah. team your teammates and i'm gonna be there on the sideline and uh hanging out and talking about what i see on the field and and then uh later i take my problems to uh ryan pose and coach iberflues or whoever i have to talk mm-hmm. to right so um i i agree with you um i don't know the whole situation obviously i'm not in the locker room uh i thought friday was interesting big ant hit me with the movie i was talking about right he's either incredibly <laughs> smart or incredibly stupid so which one, I don't know.
3: Uh, I got Lawrence Holmes tweeted out. I think LoHo was at the stadium today, actually. And he tweets out that Chase Claypool was not at the stadium, according to Matt Eberflus. Uh, Lawrence says, I asked him if he would have preferred he be at the stadium. And he said, quote, I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, Lawrence went on to uh, end the tweet saying he expects Chase uh, Claypool to be at House Hall tomorrow and has a chance to be active on Thursday. Um, You know, Equinemius St. Brown was in there. He dressed for the first time a receiver in the game today. And the Bears offense had its its best output of the season. Now, there was that sideline route where the Bears tried the flea flicker. Well, they ran the flea flicker in the game today. Mm -hmm. And Herbert kind of almost throws the ball over Justin Fields' head. Fields kind of bobbles it around a little bit. He feeds the ball over to Equinemius St. Brown that he double and triple catches, but did kind of narrowly corral it. So if you can be a good run blocker and you can be that guy, Chase Claypool just hasn't been productive enough as a bear for it to be a, you know, a big issue for the ball club, for him not to be around. We do need to do who's hot and who's cold before we get out of here. I don't know if anyone immediately occurs to you, Oh, for a who's hot and a different guy for a who's cold from the game. Man, I, I almost want to pick the same guy, right? I want to pick Justin
1: Fields. He, he was hot. <laughs> And he was cold today. You know, I almost want to just say he covered all the bases for us. You know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, and, and that's why we talked about it. And I'm going to keep trying to convince you guys because that's the kind of guy I am. But that's why we talked about the end of the game, right? Like there's seven yeah. straight runs to Herbert, right? Seven straight. And remember now, Justin Fields, I'm just going back through all the plays here and watching him. Justin Fields scrambled for 20 yards to get that first down on third and 10, right? And then he took the ball out of his hands. And I went back through the TV copy, guys. And for the guy who's hot and cold, and I just see Janoco standing by him. Like, no, I I want it. And I don't know. I can't see the full sideline. I just want to see the head coach talking to the franchise. Well, the guy who wants to be the franchise quarterback at that time and asking him, hey, man, what do you think? What do you want to do here? And I want to see the ball in his hands once in the last seven plays.
2: Yeah, I I got to go with Justin Fields. It's funny you said that alone because I was going to say, can we do the first three and a half quarters of Justin Fields as the hot (laughs) player? Because he was, man. You look at this stat line. This is this is what I want to see from a quarterback, right? 28 of 35, 80% completion percentage, 335 yards, 9.6 yards an attempt, four TDs, one sack or one interception, four sacks, QB rating of 132. You would sign up for that every week, right? Every week down. you take that, mm-hmm. but then you wouldn't take the last Pat. half of the fourth quarter. That's what's cold.
0: Pat, yep. let
1: me give you guys this real fast before we get out of here. Right, Borom gets that false start on third and five. Right, in the last mm-hmm. in the drive on the fourth and one drive, not the last drive, the fourth and one. They go to third and ten. Justin Fields scrambles for twenty yards. Remember that he ran out of the pocket, made a mm-hmm. miss. He's gone twenty yards. He didn't. T- he, the ball wasn't in his hands again for him to make a play.
2: They
1: hmm. handed the ball off every time after that. That bugs me a little bit.
3: Mm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, the great point. The pregame, one of the keys I mentioned this morning to Luke Ellis when he asked me about what one of the keys to the game, some of the keys to the game, feed the studs. And the Bears finally got to a point today where they said, no matter what, we are feeding the ball to DJ Moore. We are going to get – one of the more stud one of the more explosive mm-hmm. weapons at quarterback on the move. And those are your two guys. If there's nobody else on offense, mm-hmm. the defense is fear, Justin Fields with the ball in his hands, and DJ Moore with the ball in his hands. People react to that. All eyes go to those guys when they get the rock. So I'm hoping that's something that the Bears can and will build off of moving forward here because you know, regardless of who the defense is, those two dudes, and then especially the way that can impact some growth. In the run game, everybody's moved, everybody's confidence builds off of that. I, I don't understand why the fourth game is the point where we finally get to that. You know, not, not just the points aspect of it, but just the offensive approach finally showed that today. So I'm hoping that whatever, if there was a hard conversation between Iberflus and Getsy or Poles and somebody or Justin Fields and Getze, whoever it was, that's the system the Bears have to run. He's got to be on the move, man, because it, it just it seems to make life easier and makes him into more of a playmaker. I mean, you, Jay Cutler was no Justin Fields on the hook, but the dude could move. And it seemed like when he was, like, feeling good in playmaker mode, that's when you guys' offense was really rolling at its best.
1: Yeah, well, when, when Jay, Jay, as everybody knows, tremendously talented, right, and, and could make every throw, and like you're saying, big, strong, athletic and when he was on fire man he was going right he was he was dealing and he could run and he could move around that pocket and he could hit any part of field from anywhere on the field so he was like you're saying that kind of guy but but Justin is the guy and that's why when we talk about man like what 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 why why wasn't he a part of the plan late in the game and and, you know I'm just watching the film guessing maybe he could have kept a couple of those Uh, Maybe it was his decision to hand it off. I don't know all the little details. I just know that at the end of the game, uh, like you're saying, you got him moving all day long. He's hitting all those throws all day long. Uh, And you're saying, you said it, Big Ant. I want to get DJ more and I want Justin Fields, right? I want those two. So at the end of the game, we didn't go to
3: them. Fab, final word? Well, actually, that is, then that will be the final word. Pat,
1: final word, Pat. Can you hear us? Oh, man,
3: Pat. All right. We might have a little technical snack there with what I got, Patrick Manley. I'll actually be, uh, I will oh, be on the station after the Cubs post game ends up finishing. So I'll be with you for the post post show, uh, probably in, I don't know, depending on whenever the Cubs season comes to a close, the Cubs post game comes to a close. So I'll be on the station itself a little while later. So this has been the Great Clips Post Game Show presented by Tullamore Dew. Of course, thank you to Olin Cruz, to Patrick Manley. Thanks to everyone on Twitch and YouTube for tuning in. And you can check me out on 670 to Score later on this evening, where we will hear directly from you as well, because I know those of you out there watching this right now, you got a lot you want to say. We're going to give you a chance to do that when I'm back this evening on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to Score.